Okay. All right. You guys ready? Okay. Because because I'm ready. Whoo, I'm ready today. Okay, turn to your neighbor this morning and say, love gives. Love gives. We're at the end of a series. It's our Valentine's kind of thing where we talk about love gives. And I want to walk you through what we've done thus far, and then uh, we're going to dive into some new material, okay? So uh, several weeks ago, I talked about this idea of a bag mindset. We were talking about money that love gives. It gives of our finances. That Oftentimes we have a bag mindset that says, I don't have enough. And the scripture that went along with that was simply this. It was out of Haggai. It says, you've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. And you clothe yourselves, but you're not warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. It's like you never have enough money at the end of the month. And then we have this scarcity mindset. And we get worried and want to try to hold on to things. And the tighter that we hold on to things, the bigger the hole gets in our lives. But God doesn't want us to have a, a, a hole or a bag mindset. He wants us to have a barn mindset. Everybody say barn mindset. Barn mindset. Which says this. Basically it says, I have more than enough. And we looked at Proverbs chapter 3 and it says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing. How many of you want your barns to be filled with overflowing? I know you don't have barns, but how many of you want your checking account to be overflowing? Okay, I got more people. There you go. That's right. All right. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And the church says, Amen. Amen. So we want to kind of have that mindset. And then Jesus himself said this out of Matthew 23, 23. He says, what sorrows await you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees and you hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Your herb gardens. But, but, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice and mercy and faith. And this is Jesus saying, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. You should tithe, but don't neglect the more important things. Would you pray with me this morning as we open up God's word? Father, we thank you that you're so good, that you give us your love and your peace. And I pray today that you would open up our hearts and our minds that our ears would be open to what it is that you have for us today. Lord, speak to each heart here. And Lord, may we not just be hearers of the word, but Lord, may we do what you call us to do in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Amen. All right. And then after we talked about that, I, I also talked about this equation that, we came, that I came up with. And the equation is simply this, that God is love. We find that in John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, that God is love. And then we know that God gives, for God to love the world, that he gave his one and only son. If we put those two together, it's love gives, right? We talked about that, right? Love gives. Well, today we're going to add on to the math equation that we started a couple weeks ago. Are you guys ready for more math? Okay, anybody hate math? 
you're my people. I don't like math either, but I can do addition. So addition is easy. Okay. So the, this is the equation that I, that I came up with this week. And that is love gives and I'm his, which means that love gives me. Love gives me. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, love gives me? Oh, I got a lot of participation today, so you just get used to it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I know, love gives me. All right, some of you are already looking and going, David, that doesn't sound grammatically correct. What are you talking about? And some of you think that already. You were like, what? The rest of you, you've got some problems grammatically-wise, and so we'll, yeah. Uh, I did that on purpose, just so you know, love gives me. What does that mean? Well, uh, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says this to the church. He said, since he, that's God, did not spare even his own son, but, but what? Gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us what? Oh, let me, let me, I'm going to point, I'm going to point. Won't he, and, and this is, this, this is the question here. Won't he also give us, say it one more time. Everything else. And the answer is absolutely yes. God wants to give you everything. I don't think you believe that. Because if you did, if you really knew it, you'd be jumping up and down. Like, I, I want to I tell you that God wants, if he gave you his son, Jesus Christ... For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That he gave, if he gave us Jesus, wouldn't he give us everything else? The answer is yes. Okay, let me try this. Let me try that one more time. Okay. Since God gave Jesus, he loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to the cross to die for your sin and my sin. Won't he give us everything else? Yes. Yes, yes, he will. That's the answer. And you need to know that deep down in your spirit, that God wants to give you everything else. It's not just that one verse. I could go on and on and on, but I just chose one other verse. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, By his divine power, by God's divine power, I should have capitalized that his, so that always irritates me. By his divine power, God has given us what? Ooh, see a pattern here? By God's divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. I'm trying to convince you this morning that God gives. Love gives. Love gives me. Love gives to me. He gives you peace and joy he gives you his comfort, his mercy, his forgiveness. Can I get an amen on some of this? How many of you have experienced his love? I'm just curious. Anybody, anybody experienced forgiveness in your life when you did not deserve it, right? Like we've been forgiven, we're loved, we're cared for. We've even been given stuff that we don't deserve, right? 
I mean, this is fundamental to our understanding in Christianity 101 is that God gives us. Love gives me. He gives to me. But now, I want to take a different perspective this morning. Because oftentimes, Christians, particularly in the West, we always lead with, uh, God, I need this, I need this, I want this, God, I, I really need, I want this, and we're a uh, me, 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 me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, do you know, you know Christians that are like that? They're, they're, they're almost like little toddlers, two-year-old toddlers. Anybody have two-year-old toddlers? It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And they, they get really high-pitched voice. I can't go there. But, but, but it's, it's mine. It's me. It's mine. I need. I want. And it's a consumerism Christianity. I don't feel happy. I'm sad. I'm gloomy. I, I need to. What's in it for me? I come because, I, because I'm just consuming all the time. I'm concerned. God, I, just more, more. I, I, I don't feel it anymore. Boy, that preacher didn't really have it. You know, I just, and the worship, they were off a little bit. They, the, the music was a little bit too loud or wasn't loud enough or it was soft or it was too hard on me. I mean, and so we just get into this mode where it's so me-centric. Do you know what I'm talking about? None of you guys, but some people outside of this church in Christianity, they're into the me-centered kind of world. And I, and I want us to hold up a mirror to our face this morning to, to maybe have you ask the question, are you a me Christian? Are you a consumer Christian where you're just consuming, consuming, and it's all about you? And I wanted to start by saying, yes, God gives us everything. But you also need to know this. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. And it says this. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? So for all of you that have received Christ in your life, I just... Right now, I just want to know how many of you have given your life to Christ and you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus? Would you raise your hand? I'm just, okay, right there. Okay, great. All right. So you're a follower of Jesus. This, this, this pertains to you. So Paul is preaching. He's speaking. He's looking at each one of you. If he was here today through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he would say, don't you know? Don't you know? All of you that are here this morning, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? That God love gives. That he gave his only son and then he gave his spirit to dwell inside of you. But then we find this. He says, you do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. You don't belong to you. Did you know that? I, I, I think there's a large percentage of Christians that don't understand this. The verse that comes to mind is, we, you that are followers of Jesus, you've been crucified with Christ. Did you know that? 
If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been crucified with Christ. In other words, you, you were nailed to a cross. You're what we would call your old flesh, your old nature, your sinful self was nailed to the cross. You died. If you're a follower of Jesus, you died. And now it's not the old you that lives, it's the new you that lives by faith in Jesus Christ. So, so, so again, you don't belong to yourself anymore because that old self died. So you don't have any rights over your body and your future and your, all of the things that you want to do and consume and be. You don't have any right over that because God owns you. You gave yourself to him, which means that you belong to God. That's why everything belongs to you. Does that make sense? So I want you to understand this morning that God gives you everything that, that love gives me, love gives to me, but, but also, I'm going to flip it, love gives me. In other words, you are given to the world. Just like God sent Jesus to the world, he's sending you to the world. Love gives you, which has huge ramifications. Because now you're not just a consumer. Sure, you receive God's mercy and his forgiveness and his love, but now it flows out of you. You're just a conduit. You're just a, a, a you're a channel of God's love and mercy and forgiveness. Like, because the old you's dead and the new you belongs to God, so love gives you. He doesn't just give to you, but he gives through you. And we're going to look today at a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 9, where we're going to see this love gives me kind of play out. Not just love gives to me, but love gives through me. In Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 36, we're going to read this. It says, now in Joppa, there was a disciple. So she understood she was a disciple. She was a follower of Jesus. She was bought with a high price with the blood of Jesus Christ. She was following Jesus, not just with her head, but with her heart and with her actions. And her name was Tabitha, which in translation means Dorcas. And she was continually doing good deeds and acts of charity. And at that time, she became sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they placed it in an upstairs room. So here's a disciple of Jesus, a follower. She's doing all these good deeds, but she got sick and died. Because Lydda was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him and urged him, come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they brought him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him. Can you, can you imagine the scene? Like all, the, all, the, all those that, that just loved, loved Dorcas, loved Tabitha. They're all, they're all around crying. They're showing him the tunics or the, the clothes, the, the long shirts and all the other clothing that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. 
but Peter sent them all outside. We're getting, we're getting hints of what Jesus did in the Gospels. He sent all those people out. And it says Peter knelt down and, and prayed. And turning to the body, Peter said, Tabitha, get up. And then she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and helped her get up. And then he called the saints and widows and presented her alive. And this became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. I love scripture. I, I love the word of God because if I was writing this, I would, I would add a whole lot of exclamation points. I would add a whole lot more detail. Like, what did the widows do when, I mean, the Bible just says, and he presented her alive. She was dead. They had washed her body. She was done dead. She was, like, not mostly dead. She was fully dead. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Bible says, he presented her alive. We have no reaction. We have no, I mean, it's like this is like an everyday occurrence in Scripture. Yeah, she was, she was sick. She died, but Peter prayed for her, and, and she got up. I'm like, give me more. Luke, who's writing this, give me more detail. I want to know what's going on. But, but we don't have it. The point of this passage is that there still is resurrection power in the name of Jesus. Like, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Come on, let's give Jesus a great big shout of praise if you believe that he's alive today. Yeah. Man, and that's what God does for every single one of us. He raises us to new life. And we may experience heartbreak and heartache and maybe we'll have times of persecution, but we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God is for us, who can be against us, that he goes before us, he's beside us, he's behind us, he's with you every step of the way in your journey in life. And even when we die, because spoiler alert, Tabitha died again, right? I mean, she died, she's she done dead, she's not still living, okay? But how many of you know that God raised her up and that she's experiencing life like we can't even imagine right now, right? This is the hope of the gospel, that this world is not all there is. We're traveling through, that God's preparing a home for us in heaven. Can you imagine it? No, I can't, right? This is what God has for us. This is the meaning of the passage, but today, I, I'm going to kind of skip over the main meta meaning of the, of the passage. And I want to look at three specific things when it comes to the idea of love gives me. And here's the three things. When love gives me, I do good deeds. When love gives me, I'm inconvenienced. And when love gives me, I serve. So those are the three things that happen, and we see this in the passage really clearly, that when love gives me, I do good deeds. How many of you are followers of Jesus? Let me see your hands again. Okay, great. Turn to your neighbor and say, I do good deeds. You're a follower of Jesus. That's just what you do. When love gives me, in other words, when God gives you to the world, you do good deeds. I was thinking about Tabitha or, or Dorcas. Wait, I was curious. Uh, we're going to talk about her for just a little bit. 
how many of you like Dorcas or how many of you like Tabitha? Should I say Tabitha or just thought I'd get a poll real quick. Tabitha, hands up, hands up. Okay, uh, Dorcas, you like Dorcas better? You're wrong, put your hands down. Okay, <laughs> Tabitha it is. Tabitha it is, yes, I like Tabitha too, yeah. Anyway, Tabitha, I was gonna go off on something else. Okay, so Tabitha, so here's Tabitha, she's doing good deeds. She's doing acts of charity. Good deeds, acts of charity. We know as we read through the rest of the story here that she's making clothes, she's making tunics. And I was thinking to myself, when Tabitha was making clothes, that she had to be intimately acquainted with the people that she was making clothes for. If you've ever made clothes, you know that you gotta get the right size. Typically, you're talking to that person or you're seeing that person and you're looking at them and you know who they are. Probably she maybe had conversations with people that she was making clothes for. She was asking them what color did they like and, and what size did they like and all the different styles of the day in first century Jerusalem. I mean, I don't know what, what kind of styles they had, but, but she was kind of putting together all these clothes. And I just was thinking to myself, this was a very personal thing. That good deeds weren't just something done on a computer screen. It wasn't just some kind of click on a computer to give. It, it, it wasn't just a check that, that, that she wrote out because it says that she, she, she also gave uh, acts of charity, which in the, in the Greek there, it has this idea of giving financially. So she's making clothes. It's very personal. So that when I do good deeds, it's not just out there it's right here. Does that make sense? It's easy for us to think about doing good deeds when, and I'm not going to knock this, but it's like, you know, you drive through Starbucks and you say, hey, I want to pay for the person behind me. Okay, that's great. I love that. Do that. That's an act of good deed. But for Tabitha, I believe it was something more personal, that when we do good deeds as church, as Christians, as followers of Christ, it gets really personal. Because the reason why we're doing it is because God did the greatest good deed for us by saving us, loving us, forgiving us, and freeing us from the bonds of sin. And so that when we do good deeds for others, it gets really personal. I do this because I love you. I do this in the name of Jesus. I, I, I do good deeds so that when you're a follower, love gives me, gives through me. I was thinking about some people in our church that kind of exemplify Tabitha. And I, I thought I would talk about this one lady in our church whose name is Allie, and her name's Allie Baumgartel, and she kind of works behind the scenes. And I would imagine most of you don't even know who she is, but Allie Baumgartel, um, uh, has been coming to church here for, for quite a while. And her, uh, look, even in this photo, I love this. Even in this photo, she's just kind of behind the scenes. This is her right here. This is, and, she, and she's amazing. And what, she, she uh, is a great cook. And so she started baking some pastries and cookies for the staff. And we all got fat from the cookies and the pastries. It was wonderful and amazing. And then she kind of upped her game a little bit. And then she started making biscottis because she's like that kind of, you know, chef. And so she would give it to our coffee house, like free of charge. She's just making the biscottis and people got it with their coffee. Anybody get biscottis with your coffee? Like in the past, you've had that? Yeah, okay, some, several of you. And it's really like high quality stuff. And then no one asked her to do this. She just did it. No one was begging her to do that, but 
she just did it because love gives me. Love gives through me. And then she upped her game a little bit more, and then she began putting together food and delivering it to shut-ins in our church. No one asked her to do this. It wasn't some program that we came up with at church. Uh, she, she just did it on her own volition. She just started kind of giving food to those who couldn't make it to church, who were shut in, and, and, and how that was hard. And then she, then she decided, yeah, because she's an artist, she also decided to create a painting class for seniors. And so she invited all of these seniors to come in, and this is one of the paintings that one of our ladies in our church, uh, uh, Joanne Keir, made this because Allie helped her kind of make this painting. And, and again, she wasn't doing this because she had to or someone was twisting her arm. She did it behind the scenes. She did it because, I could put it this way, love gives Allie. Right? Love gives Allie. And I think of somebody else in our church, her name's Rachel, Rachel Rado. And, and I've known Rachel for uh, more than half my life because my wife Heather and her grew up as best friends when they were little. And so Rachel has just kind of always been in my life um, once I met Heather. And, and, um, and so I've asked Rachel over the years because she loves to work with kids, she loves to work with youth. I've asked her to do crazy things. And she almost always says yes. She even says yes when I ask her to dress up like a pirate. And that's when I had longer hair um, as well, so just so you know. Um, but Rachel's one of those people that she works behind the scenes as well. And um, not too long ago, she started a small group for 20-somethings in our church. And, and she and her husband, Steve, they decided, you know what they decided? They decided that they were going to have dinner for the 20-somethings every Monday night. Now, when 20-somethings hear that there's free food... Do you know what happens? That group explodes. It's not four or five. It's like between 25 and 50 people. Every Monday, dinner. The church is not paying for that dinner. They're paying for that dinner. Every, did I say that? Every Monday night, 25 to 50, 20-somethings gather at their house, and they pray for each other, and they encourage each other, and they love each other, and they've seen the Spirit of God move. They've seen people touch by the power of God. They, I mean, they've seen all kinds of incredible things. I just want you to know that love gives Rachel. Love gives Steve, her husband. Do you understand where I'm going? God wants to give you to the world. God, God gives John and Betty to that Atlanta area. God, God gives you, I, you, you don't have to be a pastor or a preacher. You could be a baker, a painter. You could like old cars. You could like doing, I, I don't know, computer stuff. You could like, I mean, fill in the blank. But whatever passion that you have, whatever the thing that God's placed in your heart, love gave that to you for a purpose. Not just for you, yes, enjoy it, but, but make sure that you're using it for the glory of God because love gives you. So love does good deeds. It does things behind the scenes when no one else is looking, not because people are begging you to do it or asking you to do it, but just because it naturally flows out of you because you're a disciple of Jesus Christ because you don't live any longer. Christ lives through you. Amen? Amen. So when love gives me, I'm inconvenienced. Inconvenienced. We, we see this in the passage because Peter 
is in Lydda, which is about 15 miles away, and he's praying over all kinds of people. And he prayed and, and, and prayed over this one guy who was paralyzed, and he, and he said, get up, and he got up and he started walking. He's seeing people come to know Jesus. He's seeing miracles break out. And two guys show up and talk to Peter. They've taken the journey all the way from Joppa, where Tabitha is in the upstairs room, dead, and her body's washed. And they've sent two men to go to Peter, and Peter's in the, in the middle of this ministry crusade of seeing all these amazing things happen, and they say to Peter, come with us at once. Don't delay. Now, I was thinking to myself, like, he's surely gotta be inconvenienced. Like, he's doing his thing, but, but he's being inconvenienced. And, oh, Stephen, I love you, brother. I, I've got, you just keep playing. It's not going to bother me. It's not, it's going to bother you guys. It's not going to bother you. It's just going to sound really good while I preach. Make me sound really good, Stephen. I love Stephen. He's not inconveniencing me at all. So good. So Peter gets up and goes. I always tell my team, don't say no for somebody else. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't say no for somebody else. The disciples back with Tabitha, they, they could have said, oh, don't bother Peter. He's already busy. I mean, he's one of the disciples. He's one of the apostles. He saw Jesus. He was with Jesus for three years. We can't bother him. I mean, it's just Tabitha. I know we love her and all that kind of, but let's don't bother her. No, 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 no. They sent two men to go interrupt, to inconvenience Peter. And Peter, I'm sure at the moment was not... Maybe we don't see this in the text, but I'm sure he probably prayed and God said, go. Never say no for someone else. Let God do the work. And so Peter comes and then we know the rest of the story. Tabitha got, got healed, raised from the dead and more people came to know Jesus and all those kind of things. And I was, was reading this story this week and maybe you've, you've heard about it. Um, it's about Michael Blair. And I wanna make sure I get his name, last name right, Ronnie. Ronnie, I think it's O'Neill. I'm gonna get this right. Yes, Ronnie O'Neill the Fourth. Anybody ever heard of Ronnie O'Neill the Fourth? Anybody? No? Okay, good. Ronnie O'Neill the Fourth was eight years old. And his father doused him in gasoline, lit him on fire, and stabbed him multiple times. The police were called to the scene. His mom was shot. His sister, I don't even wanna talk about that, but they were both dead. He comes running out of the house. The police take him, put him on an ambulance and no one thought he would survive. He's in the hospital and the, let me get this right, the, the detective that was investigating the crime that was at the scene, shows up at the hospital. And as he's at the hospital, he learns that Ronnie is maybe gonna make it. He's on kind of death's door, but maybe he's gonna make it. And he's able to communicate with him, finds out that he's a, a football fan. So he goes to the Buccaneers and he gets some, some, some stuff, uh, some footballs and some jerseys and all that kind of stuff. And he brings it back to the hospital with some of the Buccaneers uh, uh, team. And, and they come into the hospital and they're loving on him. And then everybody leaves the hospital and Mike is there, the last one there. And Ronnie, eight-year-old Ronnie looks up at him and no joke, he says, would you watch a movie with me? 
And Mike says, I can't, I have to go back to work, but I'll come back right after work. He calls his wife, they have five kids. They were planning a date night that night. And he calls his wife up and he says, uh, we're gonna go to a movie at the hospital with an eight-year-old kid. His wife says, what? what, what are you talking about? So he takes her with him to the hospital. They watch Power Rangers. Talking about being inconvenienced to watch Power Rangers. Ronnie survives, gets out of the hospital, is placed in two different foster homes. And the foster homes, uh, there, there's so many medical uh, hospital visits that they have to do to keep Ronnie alive and to make sure everything is going well, that, that he kind of bounces from place to place. And Mike was driving by his church and he was looking at the church and thinking about Ronnie, and he said it was kind of a God thing. This is what Mike said. He got a phone call from the ad litem, the, 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 his, the Ronnie's representative that was kind of helping him through all of this, and he said, we need someone to place Ronnie in a home. Do you know anybody? Five kids already. And Mike says, I knew at that moment that Ronnie was supposed to be part of our family. And so he said, yes, he can come live with me. So they invite him into their home. That's, that's them. It doesn't seem like it would fit. But how many of you know that when Jesus is at the center, we're all family and it works. And he's part of the family. And so they began fostering him. And then after fostering him, and give a couple of these photos, they took him to a Tampa Bay's baseball game because they live in Florida. And then the next photo here, they adopted Ronnie into their family. Yeah. When love gives me, I'm inconvenienced. I've got five kids. I've got other things that I'm doing. I, I can't do it now. I'm too tired. I'm too exhausted. It's, it's not for me. But how many of you know that there are a lot of people like Ronnie in our community that need Jesus, and you're going to be inconvenienced to be able to tell them, to love them, to show the tangible love of Jesus Christ so that we can adopt them into the family of God. That's how love gives you. It's not just Mike. Love gives Mike. Love gives Rachel. Love gives Allie. Love gives Steve. Love gives Stephen up here. Love gives every single one of you. He gives you to the world. In one month, our church is having the largest community outreach that we do all year. We're going to see over 2,000 people on our church grounds. And we're going to have a community Easter egg hunt. 99% of the people that come are not followers of Jesus. They're in our community. They need to be adopted into the family of God. They need to experience God's goodness, His mercy, His grace, all the things that you've already received. But what I'm asking you today is for love to give you to serve them. I'm asking this Easter egg hunt that we're going to have on March 23rd. It's a Saturday. I'm asking for every single person in this church to volunteer. Unless you're out of town, 
I want you at our Easter egg hunt. I need you to help serve these people that come because they desperately need to know that this church in Shawnee loves them and that we're willing to serve them popcorn and cotton candy and have an Easter bunny kind of floating around. But also, in the middle of all of this, we have a gospel presentation about the real story of Easter that we're gonna communicate love and joy and happiness. Not a church that's all about me, 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 but a church that gives and serves and loves because love gives cross points, church. That's my ask. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for a check. I'm asking for you, your time, your life. It's from four to six and we have a sign up and I wanna see it completely packed. I want you to overwhelm it. I want love to give through you in March to our community. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes in prayer this morning? I want you to take a moment for those of you that are followers of Jesus, and I want you to think about the things that God has given you. What are the talents and the skills and the interests that God has given you? And I want you to ask the question, how can love give through me? How can you be like an Allie or a Rachel? How can you do, not when someone's begging you, but when you can just step out because love gives through you? While you're pondering and praying through that, I wanna talk to those that maybe are not believers in Jesus this morning. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe you walked away from God or maybe you've never encountered Jesus Christ before. I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you, that he gave his life for you that he went to what we call the cross. And on the cross, he was crucified. He was killed. And the reason why, even though he was pure and holy and sinless and blameless, that he willingly gave up his life so that he could take your sins upon himself. He takes your sins. And then he gives you new life. And the way in which you receive that new life is belief and trust in Jesus. Not that you do it in and of your own strength, that you can't save yourself, but that only Jesus can save you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you place your faith and hope and confidence in him, then he comes into your life and he makes you into a brand new person, the old person, the old you, the one filled with sin and regrets and mistakes and shame. That's nailed to the cross just like Christ. But then Jesus gives you his power and his purpose and a plan for your life. And I just wonder if there's anyone here today that would say, that's me. I need Jesus. I can't save myself, but I need him. Would you just raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you right where you are. I see that hand right up front. Anybody else? I see that hand right back, back there. Anybody else that would say, yeah, right now, I want to reach my hand out to God because I know I need him. Yeah, amen. Church, would you just join with me in prayer? We're going to pray. For those of you that raise your hand, we're going to pray. The church is going to pray with you and you're going to invite Christ to come into your life. Just repeat after me, church. Say, Jesus, let's pray with me. Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again to give me new life. I turn from my sin and I'm going to walk with you with your power 
all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Now just receive the Spirit of God right now. For those of you that raise your hand or you made this prayer your first time, just receive the Spirit of God. The old is gone and the new has come. In Jesus' name. And the church 